What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. On today's episode, I will be joined by Project Spurs writer Ben Bornstein. In this episode, Ben and I will discuss the Spurs in their last two games, another Jacoperto trade rumor, and an update on top dra- uh, top draft lottery player projections. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with Ben. Ben, how you doing? I'm fantastic, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. You know, like I said, you know, we, we've seen the Spurs this uh, season come together now and, you know, they're, they have the fourth worst, worst record. So it's going to be good uh, to have you on and kind of talk about some some players and those lottery projections. So before we do that, Ben, let's, let's go ahead and jump first into how the team's doing since I last recorded a week ago. So they've only played two games since I last recorded. They're one and one since the last Spurs cast episode. Uh, so let's go back to Sunday. They lost against the Sacramento Kings in San Antonio by 13. This was a close game for about a half. Then the Kings got a double-digit lead. The Spurs got it down to six uh, midway through the fourth, but the Kings ended up uh, winning with a comfortable win uh, by 13 points. The spur of the game on this night was Jakob Pertl. He posted 23 points, seven rebounds, two assists, and two blocks. Then on Tuesday, uh, the Spurs hosted the Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie Irving and without Kevin Durant, both players on the injured list. And the Spurs ended their five-game losing streak with a win by eight points against the Nets. This one was pretty much close throughout, but San Antonio was able to hold on. Keldon Johnson had himself a career-high night on uh, different areas. He ends up with 36 points, which is a career-high. He he snags 11 rebounds, four steals, another career-high. And um, and so the Spurs should have gone 0-2, but instead they, they end up going 1-1. Um, let's go through where they're at it through 45 games. They have the 28th-ranked offense. Um, you know, that hasn't really changed much. The defense is still 30th in the league. Their net rating is still 30th. They have they still have a better record than the Rockets out west. They still they're they're 14 and 31, 14th out west. And then lastly, uh, they have the fourth worst record in the league, which that hasn't moved at all, you know, despite them going on a five-game losing streak. They really haven't moved positioning with the, in terms of uh, down at the bottom of the bracket of, of the of the league and so that would mean 12 and a half percent um overall pick odds and so one thing i'm going to start doing on the on the spurs cast going forward is every time i mention that about the the, the, the worst record um for them i'm going to i'm going to use tankathon's draft simulator and see how many times it takes me to get the number one pick for the spurs just last night when i prepped these notes it took me eight tries before i finally got the, fir- the spurs with the first pick so ben i know that's okay. a lot of information what are your thoughts um just kind of on how this season's gone because i know i haven't had you on since i think like october or september so i'm going to just hear your thoughts on the spurs as a whole uh from from their perspective and then where, where their where their record's at absolutely uh always light the beam uh, I am loving that this season. I'm very happy for Sacramento fans that that team has suffered and they have, it looks like they finally got their act together. So it's, it's nice to see for that for them. And I'm a huge DeMontis Sabonis fan. So good for him. And he's actually playing on a good team. So very good stuff. Uh, Spurs are infuriating. If you want to see them lock in a top three pick, um, they, sh- I mean, they're the fourth worst team right now. And it's, you know, you look at the other three teams, it's Houston, Detroit, Charlotte, Detroit, understandable. Cade Cunningham is out for the rest of the season. They, you know, he underwent surgery and he was, he was out. That was fairly early on in the season. 
Charlotte missed LaMelo Ball for a lot of weeks. And even with him back, they have not played well at all. It's infuriating, mostly because this was a year where the Spurs really could have used them getting into the playoffs. The Spurs own, own that pick. It's lottery protected. So if they get into the lottery, obviously not great for the Spurs. And I think the the pick becomes it, it becomes less protected each year afterwards, and it or it it diverts into like two second rounders or something. It sucks. Um, yeah. So ideally, the Hornets would have been decent this year, but alas, they're the Hornets. Thanks, Lamelo Ball. Uh, but Spurs, I mean, you said it. The offense is really bad. The defense is excruciatingly bad. I think it was uh, Noah Magaro George who said that uh, this is they're on pace to have the worst defense in NBA history. Um, that seems bad. Yeah. I <laughs> hot take that's bad. So they've got to turn something around. Part of it is the perimeter defense is not great right now. And so you're funneling people into Jakob Pertl, who's trying to protect the rim at all costs, and he he gets made to look bad at times because he's got to leave his man to go help someone else because they couldn't keep a guy in front of him. It's not great. So Spurs, very hard to watch, except for those few nights where Kelton Johnson had a career-high points. Uh, what else was it? Steals. So... You know, you get you get a gem like that every now and then, and with Devin Vassell out for the foreseeable future, that also hurts the Spurs or helps them if they can tank better, or if other teams don't tank as well. Charlotte, but fourth fourth worst odds in the league. It could be worse. They they could be. I don't know. They they really could be Houston, who are actually worse and really have no idea what they're doing. It seems yeah. so. There's that. But uh, you know, I think you and I are going to get into this a little later. But at number four, if the Spurs pick at four, there are some options. Okay. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that in, in a little bit here. I would just say, like, the, like one big difference, though, like, you know, with watching the Spurs, because, you know, I have to watch every game since I talk about them every week here on this podcast, is um, the thing that I noticed is, is that, yes, there's that trend where they fall behind by double digits, they end up losing the game. They're like 0 30, 0 29 with that record when they fall behind by double digits. But at least they battle back a lot of times. It's, it's, it's not that often that they get blown out, like, just get blown out by 30 points. That doesn't happen too, too often. You just, uh, this, this team definitely has some fight in them, even though, um, you know, the record doesn't quite show it. So, so that's one thing. Is like sometimes these games can be entertaining because the Spurs do at least compete. And they really they really fight hard um, on certain nights despite you know their overall record. All right, so Ben. Um, so before we get into the to the draft talk about um, some of the, the prospects, let's first look at. Um, some latest trade rumors, because like, like we know, the, the trade deadline is coming up in the next few weeks here uh, in early February. So we're going to see Jakob Pertl, Doug McDermott, Josh Richardson, and different kind of trade rumors. And so there were there were two big rumors this past week um, out of The Athletic from two of their different writers. So let's first go back to Tuesday. On Tuesday, Sham Sharania wrote, wrote a big piece about um, different players that are, you know, that are being being discussed in trade rumors. And Jakob Pertl was one of those players. He was like, he actually made like the headline of this article. It was called um, NBA Trade Deadline, What Shams is Hearing About Jakob Pertl, uh, John Collins, Fred Van Vliet, and more. Now, I did a very detailed video breakdown on Project Spurs um, Network TV YouTube page. So if you want to visit that, uh, you can go ahead and 
check that out. And I go, I go into more, into more um, detail there. And so just the quick summary of this article, Shams reports that the Celtics and Raptors both have interest in, in Jakob Pertl. Uh, the Celtics have different ways to build a trade package um, with different veterans on the roster. Gallinari's contract would la- likely be needed, but he a third team would probably be needed because Gallo can't come di- back directly to the Spurs since they just waived him. And then he, he ended up signing with Boston. Uh, the Celtics have a lot of first round picks. They have five first round picks without any kind of conditions on them up until 2029. As for the Raptors, they're in a similar boat where they have multiple veterans that they can use in a, in a trade package like Dad Young or Ken Birch that can be created. Uh, they also have a lot of first-round picks. They have seven first-round picks uh, with no conditions up until 2029. And then on Wednesday, I just saw this rumor, uh, Jared Weiss, also of The Athletic, reported that the Spurs have let all teams interested in Pirtle know that their starting line for getting Pirtle is two first-round picks. They're basically telling teams, okay, you want to get in the Jakob discussions? We Our starting line here is two first-round picks. What are your thoughts, Ben, on these latest trade rumors surrounding Jakob Pirtle? I mean – there's nothing wrong with wanting two first round picks for Jakob yeah. Pertle. And frankly, if you're the Spurs, you have to start negotiating somewhere. Because mm-hmm. if you, I mean, if you start at, if you just outright say, well, we want three first round picks, you're not getting any nibbles on that. People are just saying, well, you're outrageous. Obviously, you're not here for realsies. Yes, GMs say realsies. Um, <laughs> but, you know, starting with two first round picks as a want or need for Jakob Pertle is not outrageous. It's not unreasonable. Um, it would it will probably come down, but that is a, that is at the very least a starting place teams are willing to go with for a trade. Um, and if you know, depending on which team it is, it could be two later first round picks, which first round picks still valuable, so it's fine. Um, but because because if you you're not you're not trading him to a team like Toronto, who's not really competing, you're not you're certainly not trading him to a team. Like Houston, or yeah. or Charlotte, who are not competing. I mean, you're you're trading him, like you mentioned, potentially to a Boston. But if they do that, then they're saying, you know, we don't have faith in Al Horford. We don't have faith in Robert Williams, which I'm sure they do. And you know, as we speak, Al Horford has gotten out to a really nice start in the Celtics game tonight. So that certainly isn't going to help that case. But uh, Celtics. Maybe they're in the you know, maybe they're in the market for a guy like Doug McDermott. Known known mm-hmm. shooter will will keep the floor spaced for them. They have a couple of guys who aren't really spacers. I mean, you could potentially play him with Jason Tatum or or he comes on for Jason Tatum at times and you make sure you're playing with Jalen Brown so that you're not losing too much defense if you're the Celtics, because I think anybody who's watched some Spurs games knows Doug McDermott, not a defensive specialist. Yeah. But um, I um, what you mentioned with the Raptors, I like Kem Birch. I would imagine it would be hard to convince Thad Young to come back to San Antonio after what happened here with him, you know, in the last couple of years. So I'm not sure that happens, but those seven first rounders up through 2029 are super tempting. The, the Spurs might try and make something happen. Uh, you know, OG Ananobi is apparently on the trading block, but if you're the Spurs, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because then you'd be trading kind of one one uh, foundational-esque player for another. Um, not to say that Jakob Pearl should be the foundation of every team, but a team like the Spurs makes perfect sense. Um, not to say that he wouldn't help other teams either. I am a huge Jakob Pearl fan. Yeah. Do not get that confused. But 
Yeah, there's there's definitely some trade partners out there the Spurs can be looking at. I, I have a feeling there might be someone who pops out of nowhere yeah. that feels like, you know what? We're we're more of a contender than people realize. We're going to make a real big swing here. We're going to give up some picks in the future because we think with this acquisition, we're going to be competing, so the picks won't be that high anyway. Um, I, have, I have a gut feeling something like that may happen, but... You know, the, the two options you presented are much more logical than what I just did. Yeah, and one thing I want to go back to what Weiss said is, and he had a good point here, was that he says that the Spurs, you know, were asking for two first-round picks last year for Derek White. They were telling teams that were interested in Derek White. You know, two two first-round picks was the starting line. And so they ended up getting one first-round pick. Then they got that um that one um, from Boston, I think it's like in 2028. So they ended up almost getting that, even though it has, like, um s- some protections on it. So uh, that's just something to watch is, like, yes, they may get, like, like, a, like an unprotected first round pick for Pirtle, but then also maybe like a protected one um, from from that from that team. So again, um, even though it sounds like a lot, you know, teams may negotiate with San Antonio. So that's kind of uh, the latest on Jakob Pirtle and, and trade rumors surrounding him. And now the last last thing, um, uh, our last topic here we want to discuss now is uh, the lottery. I know it's not it's only January. Ben and I are recording, but um, you know, I just wanted to get a check in because the only two names I've ever heard you know heard of since the summer is uh, Victor Wembanyama, of course. He like you know he's, he's going to be the consensus number one, and then Scoot Henderson, the consensus number two. So right now, um, I, I haven't really done a, a draft board, but I finally put one together just last night, and I just I was really interested to see you know all I want to do is see is who's in the top five because like we said, the Spurs right now have the fourth worst record, and it's going to you know they they don't have those fourteen percent lottery odds right now; they're only at that thirteen percent range, and so it's not guaranteed that they're even going to get a top top. Um, um, three pick here, uh, or, or the number one overall pick. So what happens in the event that they don't get Victor or Scoot Henderson? You know, where do they go then? And so that's where I got interested in seeing some of these players who are popping up on different draft boards, on different mocks. Um, and so I have Ben on, and he's going to kind of tell us about each player uh, and, and um, you know, with, with um, more background on each player. So at number three, Ben, the, the three players that I see a lot on the mocks are Amen Thompson, 6'7", out of Overtime, Overtime Elite. Uh, four mocks mentioned him. Brandon Miller, 6'9", out of Alabama. Three mocks mentioned him. And then Nick Smith Jr., 6'5", out of Arkansas. Two mocks mentioned him. Uh, so I'd like to know, like, just a little bit about these players. Who are they? And then number, and then where would you rank? You know, what, what, what preference would you want of the Spurs to take them if, if they got that third pick? Yeah, um, Amon Thompson, right now, if he was in the league, top 1% athleticism. That's, that is how athletic he is. That is, he's that fast. He has that kind of bounce. He has creative finishes at the rim. It is ridiculous. Um, I would, I would probably take him at three right now. Okay. But I would still, I would still like to see some more from overtime elite because that's that league is very. It, it is hard to get a sense of how competitive that league is at times because it's, it's definitely better than high school ball, but it is certainly not at the level of college ball. And I'm not sure it's at like a post grad year of high school level. I don't know where it falls. So I have, I have a hard time putting some of that stuff into context, but. The athleticism stuff, you can very clearly see it with Amen Thompson. His biggest issue is shooting right now. He is not a consistent shooter really from anywhere outside of like eight feet on the court. Okay. Um, he has been working on it. He knows that's a weakness. That is something he is constantly working on. It is a matter of it just has to show up. Okay. Um, Brandon Miller – I, I've seen him moving up. He was, I think even before the season, he was very much a top 10 lock, 
a few weeks into the season, people were very were convinced, okay, top five. I get it. Um, and like you have here, three mock drafts have him at number three right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I get, I understand. I and I wouldn't hate that pick at three either. Um, and I've watched him in college and I love his game in college. I think he's going to be fantastic at the next level. Um really if you're picking at three between him and Amon Thompson, it comes down to the guy who's put up numbers and has productions in the collegiate ranks. And I think Brandon Miller is actually a little older. I think he'll be 20 by the time the draft comes around. So that is another factor. Um, But Brandon Miller at three is really not the worst thing you could do. Uh, For me, he's at four. I think he's, I think he would be great at four. Um, Nick Smith Jr. scares me right now. A lot of people have him top five, but he's, Mm -hmm. He's been dealing with injuries a lot of the year. He has not played a whole lot of games, and when he did play those games, uh, he was not 100% himself. So that the, the way he is mocked right now, it is purely on potential and what people saw in high school and a little bit of flashes from what he's shown in Arkansas, but there's another guy on here from Arkansas, Anthony Black, who has played every game and has looked very good, and I like him a lot. Um Having said that, I I don't think I'd like Nick Smith at five unless I watch him more. It's, again, it's only January. He has, you know, basically through March to play more games. And if he doesn't, you're really going to have to get a feel for him at the combine, which can be a scary prospect because yeah. if he has a phenomenal day at the combine, you can say, no, oh, well, this is everything. we You know, you get a little bit of confirmation bias. And it's, yeah. well, this is everything we thought he'd be. Or... If he has one really bad day at the combine, it's oh no, this is our worst nightmare. All you know, it's all coming down. But it's and then you have to hear about what he might do in workouts. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough with him right now. But he, I don't think he would be my number five right now. Maybe down the road okay. after he's played some more games, but not right now. Just real quick, um, Amon Thompson uh, overtime lead isn't that where Dominic Barlow came from? That is where Dominic Barlow okay. came from. Yes. Okay. That's interesting too, because yeah, because he really hasn't, uh, you know, really hasn't and, pleased uh, there For for people who really want to get ahead on the draft on next the next year's draft, uh, there's a guy who's he's a top five player in the twenty three recruiting class. He's going to Kentucky. Uh, Dillingham is in that class. is is playing at overtime elite now. He was at the Donda Academy until that shuttered. Um, oh, and then okay. he moved over to overtime elite, so he's actually playing in that league as well. If you really want to get ahead on watching some guys. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so now let's go ahead and look at some of the prospects at number four. So you've already talked about um, Amon Thompson. He's been mentioned at four in four mocks. Nick Smith Jr., you spoke about two mocks. Brendan Miller, you mentioned. Here's two new players, though. Cam Whitmore, 6'7", out of Villanova. He's He popped up once at number four. And then Anthony Black, who you mentioned, 6'7", out of Arkansas, popped up once at number four. What are your thoughts on Whitmore and Anthony Black? So and I'm going to start with Anthony Black. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Anthony Black's game. Um, he's just, he's smooth. He's, he's not yet a knockdown shooter, but he could, he's shown some flashes. So I, I'd feel comfortable saying he can develop. Um, but he's, he's been playing really well. He's been the primary point guard for Arkansas. And there have been a lot of times where he's asked to kind of do everything for them. They've lost some players. Nick Smith has been playing and they lost a huge transfer 
in uh, Trevon Brazil. So he's been asked to step up and do a lot, and I would argue he has been doing that. Granted, he's he's not hitting a lot of his threes on volume. I mean, he's shooting 2.9 a game, and he's hitting 32% of them, but it feels like a lot of those are forced shots because he becomes the offense at times. And, you know, despite that, he's still shooting about 46% from the floor as a whole. Uh, okay. You know, averaging five rebounds, almost four assists a game, over one and a half steals, uh, 12 and a half points. So very solid player. I like him. The production is there. Arkansas is has been bad in SEC play right now. And that's that has nothing to do with Anthony Black, I would say. He has been great. Um, he's been the reason that they've been in some of the close games they've played in the conference already. Mm-hmm. He does right now. It doesn't feel like he has enough help around him. Okay. Okay. All right. And so now let's go to number five. Uh, some players that pop up here. Uh, we have Brandon Miller again, who you mentioned, who's popped up on two mocks at five. Uh, Nick Smith Jr., Ken Whitmore, two mocks. And then here's a new player, All-Star Thompson, uh, six seven out of overtime lead as well. He's been mentioned twice um, at number five. Jarris Walker, six eight out of Houston, mentioned once. And then Grady Dick, six seven out of Kansas. What are what are what's some intel on Thompson, Walker, and uh, Grady Dick? So I didn't get a chance to talk about Ken Whitmore. I will do that oh, okay. quickly. Oh yeah, go ahead. He yeah, because he's guy, mentioned here. Yeah, he he was a guy who had an injury as well to his wrist uh, before the season started, but he is. 6'7", I think he's 220 or 225, and he has every bit of that. He is all muscle. He is strong. He drives mm-hmm. well and finishes through contact because of that. Um, he's got to show a little more shooting consistency on a little more volume. He's a solid shooter right now. Um, he's shooting 36% on threes about four times a game. Okay. Uh, so it's there, and his field goal percentage is 48% because he's he's very much either a three or I'm trying to dunk on you. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, either at the rim or three pointers. That's that's about it for him. Not a whole lot of mid range. Um, as far as Osar Thompson goes, uh, Amin's twin brother. If Amin is top one percent NBA league athleticism, Osar Thompson is still top ten percent. Oh. He is also an excellent athlete. He's a little bit more consistent in his shooting, um, but he's not as much of a playmaker as his brother Amin is. Very much an oversized point guard. He can run your offense. He finds guys cutting. He's a good passer. Also, Thompson has a little bit of that. He's not quite as uh, what's the word I'm looking for. He's not. He's not quite as polished in that area as Ahmed is. But also, Thompson's still a phenomenal player. He's a guy who I've seen consistently in the top ten of mock drafts. I imagine there's. No way he falls below that. So, okay, very good player in that regard. Uh, Jarris Walker, he's six eight, but he plays like he's seven feet tall. He mm. is, he is. I think he's six eight. And he might be two forty, and know. he is. He is all muscle too. That kid is strong. He will bully anybody. He has a little bit of a mid range game. He'll post in the he'll post in the mid post, and and get a shot off from there or or get low and get to the rim. He's been an improved three-point shooter this year. That was a concern coming in, and he's shown that he can hit them. Um, As far as Grady Dick goes, professional shooter. Shooter, okay. Can get his shot off very quickly. Great release. It's high. It's it's quick. It's everything you want in a shooter. Um, He almost reminds me of Cam Johnson when he was at UNC. 
Okay. Uh, a guy who, if you give him any sort of space, he can get his shot off and he will more than likely make it. He's a very confident shooter. Um, as far as defense goes, he is not a total negative. He's he's probably got to get stronger, but he knows where he's supposed to be. He knows how to move. Um, it's a matter of just getting a little faster and probably a little stronger so that he can hold his ground with some of the power forwards in the league. Um, before, sorry, let me go back to the to the page. I want to ask you one more question before we before we end this episode here. Uh, going back to the list here of players, um, is there a player on this list out, out of um out of four and five that you feel would be a stretch? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't take them at four or five? Um, is there someone who's like because not because I feel like Grady Dick was one player who was like in most mocks he was like you know either in like in like uh, after ten, but it was like one that had him at, had him at five. Is there somebody who like stands out who you wouldn't probably take there at four or five? Yeah, Grady Dick at five is is very much a reach. And I think okay. Anthony Black at four is a reach. Oh, okay. I would say Anthony Black right now might be like a top seven guy. So, I mean, it's, depending on what you're looking for, it may not be that much of a reach. But um, I think him at four is a little high. I'd say Jarris Walker at five could be a scary prospect for teams. Yeah. I think he's – I still think he's a lottery guy, but he's probably closer to like eight or nine, I would say. So let's say that oh you're kind of I think you actually answered this question. So I'm just saying unfortunately the Spurs don't get the top three picks. Um, you know one, two, or three. And let's say Amen Thompson ends up going uh, number three. So who's that number four? Let's just say that, that they go by the record and that's where the Spurs are supposed to finish right now. For, with the fourth, they have the fourth worst record. Who would you take at four? Um, if 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 Thompson's gone, Wembenyama's gone, and Scoot Henderson are gone. I think I go Brandon Miller. I mean that's Brandon a guy. Miller, okay. I know you have a Jeremy Sohan who's who's also a six nine guy. Um, oh yeah, he's mm-hmm. going to be your your top notch defender. But Brendan Miller can defend a bit, but that kid can create for himself and shoot it. I mean, you just okay. it, you have to. T- I think you have to take Brandon Miller at four. There, I would not feel great about Nick Smith at five. I think there are enough point guards in this draft. You could, if you're the Spurs, you could find a guy early in the second or or potentially trade in late to the first round. Yeah, so I mean, for for me, the reason why it was really interesting to get into this is just because like. I know that you know you're, we're seeing the Spurs go through this really tough season where they're they're not even they're 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 really bad compared to what we're not, we're used to in San Antonio, but they're also not that bad because they're not they're not bad enough to where they're even end up in those top three. And even if they get one of the the, the bottom three records, you know, there's no guarantee they get number one, two, or you know, or, uh, number one or or even number two. So I think we just got to prepare. Um, you know, not only myself because like as media co- covering this team, but also even like the fans that are watching the games. Like, yes, we know this is rough, and there's still a chance though that they're not going to end up with you know Victor Wembanyama at the end of this. And so we got. Uh, started looking at other players though in the event that doesn't happen absolutely i mean this and, and even if you have the fourth best odds because because the percentage has been flattened out a bit with the fourth worst record you could still end up with the top oh, yeah hit. for sure for sure yeah hopefully it doesn't take the eight tries that i i needed i needed to <laughs> yeah <laughs> That would not be good. All right. So thanks, Ben, for for um, you know help, helping us out there. Just kind of get us perspective on um on these different draft uh, lottery prospects. And of course, you know, Spurs cast listeners, as March Madness gets closer, we're gonna have Ben on more often once the uh, once the season ends. We're gonna definitely have Ben more often, especially as as that draft does approach and we get closer to the lottery, seeing if the Spurs can land the number one overall pick. Thanks to Ben for joining me here on this episode of the Spurs Cast. I also want to say thank you to Joe Garcia for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe. Great.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.